Hey, everybody, it's Lee. I know we're heading into the offseason, so we wanted to give a shout-out to our title sponsor, NHL Sense Arena, one more time. And again, we have a coupon for $50 off an annual subscription when you use Hockey Never Stops at hockey.sensearena.com. I always like to remind everybody, I've been using this thing for six months, and I'm just blown away, not just from the VR aspect of it and the virtual reality side of things, but the ability to give different perspectives of the game, whether I'm playing as a goaltender, and I got to admit, it is really hard, but it has really given me a perspective from that point of hockey, which has made me a better coach and a better ice hockey player, or the skater modes, which help you work on cognitive skills and other things like heads-up play that you don't normally get to work on in a practice or a game. So I implore you to check it out. It helps us out. It helps them out. Support our title sponsor, NHL Sense Arena. Get $50 off an annual subscription when you use Hockey Never Stops at Hockey.SenseArena.com. Again, that's Hockey Never Stops. That's the code at Hockey.SenseArena.com. Check it out. And without further ado, enjoy this episode of Our Kids Play Hockey. Hey, everybody. We got the Hockey Think Tank guys on today. Jeff Lavecchio and Topher Scott are both here to talk to us a little bit about our kids playing hockey. We uh, we go over some great topics here. One is the path to college hockey or even beyond. What does that look like? Uh, both these guys played NCAA Division One hockey. Topher's actually working at Michigan right now. So these are the guys you want to get that information from. Uh, we also talked about youth hockey and how that's approached as coaches, as parents, as players. Uh, and then we have a great talk about just culture in hockey to round it out. It's a fantastic episode. If you don't know Hockey Think Tank, go check them out immediately. It is one of the top 10 podcasts in hockey, right? So it's it, it should be well known. And it's it, we always say it kind of required reading or required listening. But before we finally get into the episode, if you want to support us, as you may know, we have been nominated to be the Hockey Sports Podcasting Podcast of the Year with the Sports Podcasting Awards, uh, as we've been mentioning in the last few episodes. So if you're inclined and you have a moment, you can pause, uh, head over to OurKidsPlayHockey.com. We'll have a link right on the page that will lead you to that voting process to help us get that top spot, even though being nominated is a heck of an honor uh, with that organization. So thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for watching and listening to the show, however you consume it. Let's have you consume another episode right now. Here's Our Kids Play Hockey with the boys from the Hockey Think Tank. Hello, hockey friends and families around the world, and welcome to another edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. I'm Lee Elias, joined by Mike Benelli. Christy Casciano Burns is on assignment tonight, literally. Uh, but we're joined today by two very important hockey people who also happen to be the hosts of one of hockey's top podcasts, the Hockey Think Tank. Topher Scott, the director of hockey operations for Michigan, is here with us. He is a former pro player, an NCAA athlete, where he served as the captain at Cornell and has also coached at the NCAA level with Miami of Ohio prior to returning to his alma mater, where he won two Ivy League championships with advancements to the NCAA tournament as an assistant coach. And Jeff Lavecchio, who's also a professional performance coach, had a healthy professional career spending 10 seasons after a three-year stay with Western Michigan University, not to be confused with Michigan University, where Topher is, which is a rival, which hopefully will come up tonight. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. Stay tuned. That's the little carrot I throw out, guys, to get everybody to listen. Uh, it's going to make it a fun episode for both of them. Above that, both of these guys are top thought leaders in the sport and hockey podcasting, and we are going to have a wonderful conversation today. Boys, welcome to Our Kids Play Hockey. Woo! Let's go. <laughs> woo! We both yeah. go, woo! Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. not often called a thought leader, so I appreciated that. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for lumping so to me in Topher's a thought leader, and Jeff, you're, you're here. Too. There you go. <laughs> I'm the thought. I'm the thought executor. The thought you know, executor. Just, you know, it just came up as Wayne's World. Hi, I'm in <laughs> Delaware. Yeah, yeah. 
You know, as someone who's lived it. in Delaware uh, for one year due to the military, I, I, that uh, there's a lot of truth in that statement. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> but, uh, boys, let me be the first to congratulate you on uh, 250 episodes of really what is an incredibly impactful show in hockey. Um, you are both thought leaders. You know, Jeff, I was talking to you before the show just about your social media account, um, which I see on mine all the time. But every piece of content you put out, I'm being serious now, has value. It has impact. Uh, and and really, it's stuff that needs to be heard. I mean, there's a clear uh, uh, drive there from you to serve the hockey community. And again, Topher, you do this too. It's going to be tough complimenting you both all night. Just know that I have a lot of respect for both of you. <laughs> uh, you guys are thought As leaders. As do you. And, yeah. <laughs> 250 episodes in, man. That's Congratulations. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I was telling somebody the other day, like, God, that's so many episodes. And, I, and they're like, if you could only if you could pick one to go back and like relive. And I was like, I just have to do the first one. Cause we knew nothing about podcasting, <laughs> nothing about how, how to do it. We were like laughing before and we were like, all right. Um, he told was, you know, in where were you, New York when we, when we started. Yeah. Yeah, I, was and I think he was like, all right, I'm hitting record, I guess. <laughs> we, we were doing it on like Skype and like calling people on their phones. And then I had like Zoom a, became this thing. I had this headset that looked like it was from the 80s. Like, and then I listened to like one of our first episodes recently. And I was like, wow, our microphones were so bad, <laughs> you know, but we just we did it. And then here we are a couple years later. 250 is pretty cool. And what year did you start it? I believe it was 2018. Yeah, yeah. November 2018 yeah. was when we first so started. So 45 years ago before the pandemic. Got it. <laughs> Sounds about <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. So it's a good time to start a podcast. You know what's funny about podcasting, guys, is you know when you're doing it kind of weekly or every few days, uh, you know there's, there's a linear effect to how you look at it. But you're right. When you go back to the first episode, and Mike, I've done this, you go back to our first episode, and it's just so choppy and not, not smooth. And it's amazing, the evolution of it. But uh Nonetheless, 250 episodes is an accomplishment. Uh, and like I said, it's, it's all, they're all re-listenable, which is awesome. Um, so that's the first thing I wanted to do. The second thing I want to get into today, and this is I know the listeners are itching into, both of you have really healthy uh, insight on college hockey. Obviously, Topher, with your current role, you have the ultimate insight. Uh, Jeff, you help a lot of athletes, obviously played in college. And I know a lot of listeners are always interested in hearing about, hey, should my son or daughter want to pursue a collegiate career? What do I have to do? So I want to take some time here to go over kind of the positives, like, hey, these are the good things. These are the things you want to try and do. And maybe some of the negatives, uh, even, you know, talking about cash grab kind of tryouts or, you know, aspects of training that don't make sense or pushing kids too hard. Uh, I want to talk about all that because I think it's going to bring tremendous value to the listeners. Yeah, I, I think it's a great question. And I think a lot of kids that are probably listening and a lot of parents have kids that are listening that that's one of the goals is, is to play college hockey. And the first thing I tell everybody is the better your grades are, the more opportunity you're going to have to play college hockey, um, whether that's division one, whether that's division three. And that's another thing, like there's a lot of levels of college hockey too. There's division one, there's division three, there's ACHA club and, and all are good. And there's people, there's a level for everybody. Right. So, um, but the better your grades are, the more opportunity you're going to give yourself to be able to play. There's schools that you need to get into with an academic profile. And if you have really great grades, there's 62 Division One college hockey teams. You can get into 62 schools. But 
the further your grades go down and you're, you're talking like some of the top schools academically in the United States, you know, schools like the Ivies, you know, Michigan, Colorado college, Boston university, Boston college. Like these are all really, really good hockey schools, but they're also really, really good academic institutions that you have to have really good grades to get into. Right. So first and foremost, if you want to play, give yourself the best opportunity. And to do that, get the grades. <laughs> so mom and dad, I'm sure you're happy with me saying this. Yeah. <laughs> it's not and, just you telling them. And he's um, not lying. I mean, I, I, no. I tell a story all the time where I had a game and when I played in the USHL for three years, uh, 17, 18 and 19. So one year out of high school and I had a game where I was electric, you know, just doing my thing as usual, uh, had an absolute <laughs> shake and bake bar down on somebody who was actually my roommate later when I was with the Bruins, Kevin Regan, sick goalie. I think he's on like UNH or hockey. East all all time top 100 top 10 something gross but I absolutely buried on him not a big deal and uh after after the game uh my coach is like hey you know college coach wants to talk to you go in there and it was uh University of Maine and that was like one of my dream schools and he was like you know we checked your ACTs we checked your 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 GPA all that stuff we're really interested if we want to have you down for a visit we'll let you know you can definitely get into school that won't be a problem I was like oh you know that's great blah blah, blah. so I walk out of that one coach is like all right another one in here so I go into the next room and it was Dartmouth and the, literally the first thing the guy says is 99% sure you can't get into our school. If you can, we're interested and we'll, we'll let you know. We'll give you a call if you can get in. And, you know, never, never got that call. He was correct. I couldn't get in. So by, and I didn't have bad grades. You know, I, I think I finished uh, high school with a 3.33 GPA and uh, I only took the ACT once. I got a 23 on it, I believe. So not like a great score by any means, but, but not bad. And I got, I was able to get into a lot of schools, but I couldn't get into probably 15 division one schools, 12 division one schools. So right away, wow. you know, I cut off the percentage of me going to play college hockey by shortening uh, uh, the the roster of teams that I could possibly play for. So Tope is a hundred percent correct on that. Yeah. And, and as a college recruiter at Cornell, like one of the worst things was going to a game and seeing a kid that you love like, man, this kid's really good. I would love to coach him. And, and then finding out going down and asking what their grades were and being like, ah, Dang, I can't, you know, can't do it. And usually those kids, like you don't know, like that's the thing, like your grades start in ninth grade, you know? So sometimes right. kids are like, yeah, it's just ninth grade, oh, whatever, 10th grade, oh, whatever. And then, you know, sometimes like they start to to pop or they start to get better and they start to get some interest or whatever. And, and it's too late because the school that they wanted to go to, they like, yeah, they, they didn't get the job done in your first couple of years. So it's just like, it's, it's always the thing that I start with. You obviously have to be a good hockey player. We can talk about hockey stuff. We can talk about character stuff. Um, all of the things that we look into as college coaches to bring kids into our programs. But at the end of the day, academics is is such a big part of it. And um, I just, I, I don't think I can say it enough to, to all the kids that are out there listening. I think, you know, watching both of you guys over the last few years, you know, from afar, you know, through social media and just your messaging and even through the Hockey Think Tank podcast is about discipline, right? And about about structure and about, you know, having planning your day. And I think so, you know, even even if you're unable to get the 3.9 GPA and knock it out of the park, the coaches see the effort and they see the discipline and they see the work ethic. So, yeah, maybe maybe you're not going to be able to get into that you know, the clearinghouse type of school, but the discipline that still goes into your day-to-day -day life as a hockey player and a student athlete 
it, to Topher's point, is only going to give you more opportunity. I mean, I just watched your buddy Starman post a whole bunch of stuff from Sacred Heart University at their rank at their new at their new facility, saying they have varsity, ACHA, ACHA two club, like they and you know, so you're going to a good school in an unbelievable place, and but if and but you have to get into the school. You have to be able to get in. And I think, you know, that's I think listening to you guys over the last few years that that a, that a player can understand that that every piece of their discipline, whether it's nutrition, you know, the academics, weightlifting, hockey, obviously all goes into that complete athlete that, you know, Topher, that's what that's what guys like you were looking for. Yeah. And, and I think it's important, Mike, that's actually a really good point. I think it's important to talk about like not everybody is blessed with, you know, being able to get good grades you know, it, it's more about the effort that you put into it. And you can tell that on a transcript. You can right. tell that by talking to a, a high school or talking to, you know, whoever it is that's in charge of your academic profile. Um, because at the end of the day, like, yes, for Ivy League schools where I recruited at, there are certain numbers that you have to hit to be able to to, to get in. But at the end of the day, at, at a lot of other schools, it's not necessarily like, hey, you have to have straight A's or you have to only have A's and B's. It's like, okay, what's the trajectory? Have they gotten better from ninth grade to 12th grade? You know, is there a consistency in the grades? Is the comments from the teachers and the professors on the report card, are those positive and, and talking good about your work ethic and things like that? Because And I think that's really important because like, at the end of the day, like I would rather, and, and like, just from a, even a hockey standpoint, and I went through this coaching at an Ivy league school, like there are kids that are really smart kids that don't care about school and don't try, but we are big believers that how you do anything is how you do everything. Totally. Totally. You know, I'd rather take a B student that has to work to get B's <laughs> than take an A student that, you know, doesn't care is just, intellectually gifted and but doesn't care but you know what i mean like right. so so the kids are ah oh, man i don't know if i can get all a's that's okay like it's okay as long as you put the effort into it that doesn't go unnoticed so let, let me jump in here jez so i'm taking a ton of notes here which is great but Topher, just on that point right and jeff you too like one of the things i know about the highest performers the highest achievers is they don't pick and choose where they try to achieve they're doing it in everything they do all the time, how they take out the garbage to how they play the game. <laughs> it's done well, right? It's it's not just limited to the game. And, you know, like part of this conversation, what you're saying, and again, these are some of my notes, you know, about academics being expected, having coached at the college level, you too, uh, guys. It's like, you know, the last thing a coach wants to do, I, I think coaches care genuinely that you do well in school, but they don't want it to be a distraction from their job, right? It's expected that you're going to do well in school. You talked about ninth grade. Well, the training for that starts earlier. You don't just magically become a great student in ninth grade. You've got eight grades prior to that to figure out how to be a good student. Um, here's another one I wanted to talk about. Um, I've seen a lot of talent, extreme talent, pro-level talent go wayside because they cannot figure out what we're talking about. It's not just good grades, but just effort in applying themselves at school. And then you hear this, and this is a, this is a red flag I want to bring up. Well, if I'll just go to juniors. All right. That should not be your mentality. If you get to go play junior hockey, you know, God bless you. But that is a backup plan. That's that's not how you should be looking at this. Right. It's I'm going to go play. Right. And I'm going to do whatever I need to play. Jeff, you said it beautifully before. Why would you try to eliminate options 
with something as simple as just applying yourself. And Topher, that, that, I want to also say what you said too. Not everybody's a great student, right? But that doesn't mean you're not trying. It doesn't mean you're not pushing yourself, right? And I think that this is important too, parents, that Topher just said. They look at the type of person you are. They look at the report cards. They look at what the teachers are saying. They're looking at more than just your ability on the ice. He said it a minute ago. What a great player. I can't take him. So when you play this back for your kids, parents, which I know all of you are going to do, because that's Topher, you did say everything that parents want to hear. Understand that there's so much going into this more than just how great of a player you are. Right. And to that point, you said, oh, I'll just go play juniors. I remember there was a couple summers here in St. Louis where uh, I was playing pro at the time and I had my company going already. It was probably like it was probably like maybe after my sixth or seventh year pro. So I had my company going for a couple of years and I was working with like some of the best triple A players um, around the midget age in St. Louis. And at the time they'd be like, oh, well, I'm going to I'm going to play in the, the U show, I'm, the U show. Like I'm going to get to the U show. And I was like. There's one show. It's the NHL. All right. There's one show. First of all, it's the USHL. And you don't just get to play in the best league in North America, maybe the world. You don't just get to. And they're like, yeah, but if I don't make that, like, I probably will. Like, I'll just go play in the Nall. And I'm like, oh, you'll just go play in the Nall. Like, you're just going to you're just going to just like bounce right there. Like, it's easy. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're not. You're not. It's like, don't don't ever be like, well, I'm just going to like see what happens and then if this doesn't work out i'll just be able to go do this and it's like no guys that's not how it works and you should be going a hundred miles an hour at your goal 100 miles an hour zero compromise mentality as far as if that's what you're saying you want and then if you don't make it that's when other things will start to present themselves because you've done so well at preparing yourself and getting better through that process of trying to attack your goals then other opportunities will appear or you will able to be able to capitalize on other opportunities because you're ready because you actually gave everything to your goal and for me like like you said there's nothing Nothing worse than seeing wasted potential. It's it's so hard for me to see. I was talking uh, with some college guys in my gym today about it. You know, those are the guys who, when they leave something on the table uh, down the road, they're the guys who are depressed, who are in a bottle and things like that, because they know that they wasted their their one opportunity, which is your youth. It's not just like one one physical opportunity. It's your whole youth. Like, you know, and they just wish that they could have went back and given more so. That's why we do what we do. We always preach. Like, if you have a goal, like, give everything to it, everything you can. Well, and, and Jeff, that's gold. And, and I'll say this too that that goes so far beyond hockey, right? Like, yeah. you know, you're, you guys aren't successful in your life now because of not working hard, right? Like, right. Mike, right. Mike's business is not because he didn't work hard, right? So, all this stuff, especially parents and kids, and, you know, I'll equate this to something else in a minute, but that work ethic transfers to so many different things. And when you, or your child realize, oh, I can apply that work ethic to anything, man, the world's really going to open up for him. Now, with that said, when you're 14, you don't think that way. You're not thinking about the job you're going to have after hockey. You're thinking about, I got to make it in hockey. And, and one of the things that I think is really hard for younger people to understand, I'll, I'll say 18 down, is that should you play college hockey at any level? I'm talking NCAA 1 down to ACHA 3 or club. It's a gift. All right. Not everybody gets to do that. Now, I do understand when you're 18 and you're having ACHA schools look at you and you want to play NCAA. I, I understand that. But do not take for granted any opportunity that you're getting 
because not everybody gets that opportunity. And I wanted to talk to you guys about that, just kind of closing out the college hockey loop, just about the gift of college hockey, or I should say post high school hockey. And that is a development for you because all roads lead to men's league, adult league. They all, they all end up there. It doesn't matter what you do. At some point you're going to be there. And then there's the over 40. And then maybe you can be like that 90 year old guy with the great mustache that still plays every week at some point. That guy's a legend. He should have a statue. But can you guys just talk about the gift of post-high school hockey at a competitive level? Is there anything better than being a part of a team and going after something with a common goal with, like, people who you would, I don't want to say literally die for, but, like, people who you would block shots for and sacrifice? Like, what better thing is there than that? And then what comes along with that? All the fun times in the locker room and the stupid things you do off the ice and the fun things that you do and and just like building those bonds. I mean, you, you don't, I, I find it hard to believe. And I think this is why you have so many ex-college or professional athletes that kind of go down the wrong path is because they don't have that camaraderie anymore. Right. You know, and, and so it, it's not about like, quote unquote, making it. And Jeff and I talk about this all the time, like making it is different for so many people. Some people making it is just being able to play at a club level because that's where their talent tops out and they just want to play the game that they love. God forbid, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, some people making it is, is they want to be in the NHL and they've dedicated their entire life to that. And so, you know, when you talk about being able to play, it, it is, it's a privilege to, to be able to do that. And, and what everybody talks about once they're done with hockey is just the room, the boys, mm -hmm. the girls hanging out, the camaraderie, the, the sarcasm, the who's got the ox cord and the music, like, like hey. that, <laughs> that Jeff. Yeah. Um, uh, it's Bluetooth and, and, now, guys. Don't date yourselves. Jeez. Yeah, but, you know, it, <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's, so, it's so that's that's the point, right? It's like so. I do I do a lot of skate sharpening, and I try to do a lot of profiling, specialty sharpening, and all that crap. And I, and my my the people that hang around my shop the longest are adult league guys. The the easily talking. They just, love it. Right? Sit here, yeah. like oh, uh, I, I sharpen a pair of skates. Okay, you gotta get out of here. Like, oh, you're kicking me out. I just want you know. Oh, I want to check out this. Or what do you think about this stick? Right? What about that? What kind of laces do you like? Oh, do you like this? You like? It's all about just being. And, and these guys are and they're coming home from like a twelve hour like work day, like real work. Like what? What's that thing? Like if, if you go and work out after work, you really don't have the hardest job in the world, right? If you really <laughs> go work out, like these guys are coming from work. They're they're like muddy and dirty and 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 they're going to a ten thirty adult league game and they can't that's, wait that's to early. get there and yeah, yeah it's, it's early <laughs> and they can't wait to get there because that's because either either a they never had that growing up they didn't have that room right or they miss it and it's something like it's a really great place uh to come into and and i think if you can if our if the kids can get an opportunity to do that, it's really one of the reasons that, you know, Topher and I used to go back and forth about, you know, how jaded I am and, and upset I am with youth hockey. And it was always based off the fact that I love, like, I, that's what I miss. I want that from my, I want my 12 year olds to experience that. Like, I don't want my 12 year olds thinking three months into a season, they've got to get out of that room and look for another room. Like the, the joy of being on a program. And, and maybe you guys could both speak to a little bit because you both came from like an organization that, that, that had players play together for a long period of time. Right. So maybe we can get to it down the road, but that the, the reason why we get players in rooms 
and build all of these great things that hockey, that any sport gives us, hockey in particular, because we're in a locker room, that it's just different. It's just a, it's a, it's a thing that when you're in it, you, 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 you actually feel bad for people that miss it. A hundred percent. And I think that's also, it gets so impactful on people's lives and it's so powerful that people, when they're, when their seasons, their careers, and they get slightly depressed because they're not having that social interaction. Same thing with COVID. Why, why did depression skyrocket? Like nobody was talking to each other. No one was hugging each other. No one was seeing each other. No one was high-fiving each other. No face-to-face contact. Like that is completely like, abnormal for human beings like we need that we crave it there when when you're talking to somebody when you're around people it's not just like an information or a monetary transfer there's there's also an energy transfer between people like you you give and you take with energy and it happens a lot in locker rooms and and so guys when they retire and they don't like play men's league or they don't coach i tell every guy like you know get into some kind of coaching or like even though i absolutely hate crossfit like go to a gym that's like a crossfit where there's an atmosphere and it's like a family and things like that because you're really gonna miss that and i'm I'm very aware of that because I'm so lucky that I have that because of what I do for a living. I, I have that culture in my gym, but my teammates who retire around me and, and before me and after me, like I see what they've gone through and and how much they miss that locker room aspect of their life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll say this to you guys. And I love what you're talking about. I think I I talked about this when I was on your show, by the way, if you listen to one episode of the hockey think tank, don't make make it my episode. There's way better ones, but but if you you can listen to one more than one, it's out there. But look, we we talked about what causes depression and we talked about how uh, retiring athletes uh, and retiring military experience the same kind of post-career depression. And it's because of the loss of three things, community, purpose, and identity. When you leave a team, you are giving up a lot of that. And if you're not prepared for that, it's going to be painful. Now, the way I'm going to spin this into a question, which is the idea, is that- Good hosting. I, I Listen, man, I've been doing it for a few minutes, right? <laughs> no, the, the idea is this, is that we can teach these things at a younger age than people think, all right? And what's happening right now in our country and what's happening right now in hockey, there are a lot of forces pulling people apart from each other when really, Jeff, as you just said, we need to be working more on coming together. Topher, you said it perfectly. What's better than being part of a team? What's better than being part of a group of people going towards a common goal? To me, outside the obvious tactical and skill-based part of hockey, we are spending little to no time on that. And it is just as, if not more important long-term for youth hockey players to understand the purpose of that to give them that perspective, to understanding that there's more than one way to win in hockey, that trophies are wonderful. But I say this all the time. Those moments are just moments. They come and they go. You can't stay in them. And what you do the other 99.999% of the time, because that's really how, what it is like, is important. And, you know, little things like one, I remember I actually got this one coach in football, believe it or not. Um, you know, after the game in football, a lot of times guys will kneel and pray. And I remember that uh, one of the coaches – had us be, thank the opponent, not like shaking hands after a hockey game, like thank God we had an opponent to help hone our skills tonight, to challenge us, to, to beat us in some form. I had never heard anybody really think about it like that. Um, because, you know, I'm like, I'm competitive. I want to win. But after the game, just to have the gratitude of this team taught us something about ourselves, win or loss, which is automatically a win. So turning this towards youth hockey, 
All right, I want to talk to you two a bit about what you love and hate about youth hockey, what we can do and improve it. And then obviously I want to have a conversation about how important this cultural piece is that you can start doing this in U6 and U8. And we know that because we do it successfully, right? That you can teach culture, you can teach teamwork. You know, I'll give a great example, right? We do team building with my kids' mites team. Uh, the last two years, I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this. I have never on the ice ever taught a kid to dive in front of a puck, ever. I've never taught it. I've never mentioned it. I've never said it's a tactic. But sure as hell, at the end of the season, I have seen kids jump in front of a puck to help their goalie, to help their team, because they care that much. At eight years old, right? They're every one of them's okay. By the way, they're using blue pucks. No one's hurting. Don't worry. <laughs> right? It'd be but, fine, anyways. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I want to talk to you guys about this. How important is culture in youth hockey, and and how can we start to implement it? At really, some of the younger ages. How much time do you have uh, for you? <laughs> this is what our entire show is based on. I think. <laughs> yeah, I know. You should just say, listen to episode one through two fifty of the hockey. <laughs> yeah. Um. We want. Uh, we want I'll, the cliff notes. We want the cliff notes. I'll, sure. I'll just. I'll just start this with saying that I'm very worried about our sport, and not just our sport, but I'm worried about youth sports in general, because of what we're talking about right now. It has become a business that makes billions of dollars. That's billions with a B. And it is a business that promotes individuality over team. I, I don't know, Mike, 75, 80, 90% of the time. Um, kids are ranked at these young ages. Um, Which you is know, ridiculous. Social media, social media profiles yeah. that you know yeah. people are making for their kids. These recruiting uh, companies are going after kids. Like it, it has become everything that sports was not meant to be. Sports was meant to be a an outlet for kids to be physically and mentally healthy, you know, go get a workout and and be healthy, uh, to learn how to be part of a team and to learn how to be a part of something greater than yourself, uh, to learn how to fail and 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 to figure out how to get up when you get knocked down. Um that is what is the magic of youth sports when it's at its best. And my fear and my anxiety about the way that our sport, the sport that we've given our life to has become and is becoming more and more by the day is promoting everything that I just said is not. And that is making it, that is pressure, that is professionalization, that is win at all costs, that is putting the eye in front of the team. Um, and it's, it's a big problem. It's a, it's a really, really big problem. Now I will say that there are people out there that are doing some amazing things and I don't want to paint our entire sport at those levels with the same brush. Um, I think 90% of the people that are in youth hockey are trying to do things for the right reasons. Um, but this machine that youth sports has become makes it much more difficult to, you know, do the things that we were talking about than, than it used to be when Vex and I were, and we all were growing up. Right. Like, and so you have to go, like you have to go outside the box, to do those things now. Like a like I, my dad runs a freaking tier two organization in Chicago, and 
the amount of emails that he sends me about like parents complaining about ice time and their kids should be on this team and like the coach should be shortening the bench and like peewee b and and stuff like like it makes me sick man like it it makes me sick and um i think we need to get back vex we talk about this all the time lee i know you're big on this too it's the why like why are you putting your kids in youth sports like really like why are you putting your kids in youth sports is it to is it to make it or is it to teach them the life lessons that's going to um allow them to be good husbands or wives or fathers or mothers or employees or employers because like you said all roads lead to men's league and the best players in the world are in men's league when they're 35 years old if they're really really lucky 40 years old <laughs> you know yeah, or 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 you're or you're 50 and you buy a protein but i think <laughs> I, I think I, I think you're you know this is and i think this is where the frustration is and, and certainly for me it's always been this way is that after all of the things you tried to do and all these attributes you want to learn and all these things you want to put in front of your kids what happens is all those things we want them to to kind of aspire to have the 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 camaraderie and the teamwork and the selflessness and all these great things they get they get eaten apart always internally because it's because they're always looking at well that that those two kids are going there and then these two kids are going there and then then I have to leave and I'm getting recruited for this team and I'm and and it, and it all comes down I've always I think I've said this since the day I've got involved in coaching it's our problem it's it's the it's it's the it's and I do this in lacrosse too I run a I run a you know a fun lacrosse town program and it's even seeping into that like. Like nobody wants to train. Everybody wants to play games. Everybody wants to know when we're going on a showcase. Everyone wants to know when we're going and getting looked at. I said, for what are you getting looked at for? I said, the, the same eight crappy kids that we have are, are right down the street. We can play them right now. We don't need to go to, you know, we don't need to go two hours away to play that same level. But you can have the experiences. You can put these experiences in. And I think that's where people, and I think it's because, I don't know, maybe less, ta- maybe maybe less rinks and ownerships are are true nonprofit, you know, community-based programs anymore. Now they're just, everything's about, you know, they think they need to like, have all these different types of programming and to continue to make money to keep their building open. I, I, I can't figure it out. Like I've done the math on most of these programs. And if you had rec, if you focus on recreation hockey and all the things you just talked about, Topher, you'd actually make a lot more money <laughs> and you'd probably produce a lot better kid. Yeah. I, th- I think that Topher, like it's so you boil it down to like simplistic terms, like organizations need to determine what is our, why, right. what is it? What are, what are, what's our main goal? And then like, what are our core values as an organization, every coach, what do we want them instilling in every player? And I'm not talking about hockey right now. This isn't hockey. This is life. Every single coach that is in hockey, in any youth sport, like first of Obviously, I'm not talking like 18U, AAA in the regionals or the, the, the national champ. Obviously, you're trying to win there, right? Like trying to win and, and instilling all these good things. They can be done at the same time. And I would argue they should be done at the same time. And I know Toph has done that with his teams. I know I've done that at my gym for 15 years, right? Like they can be done at the same time. It's a little bit harder. It takes a little more energy from the leaders in charge but we need to just have better leaders at the helms of all of these organizations to not make it about, Oh, we want to have 15 championships for our organization for, you know, the 
eight to nine to 10 year olds. Like, no, stop. No. Like, yes, if you win championships, that is awesome, but they should be a byproduct of the, how you're doing things, the, how you're doing things matters. And down the road, that's going to create the good people to create the good citizens, the good family members, good fathers, mothers, sisters, brothers, uh, leaders, employers, employees, all these things, it can be done. And you can still focus on playing to win is a good thing, right? But it's not the end all be all that like parents need to be thinking about. So it's currently like two of my mentors that I work with each week is this guy, Tim Bothrell, who who was an NHL guy and Wally Kozak, who who was like the national, like, you know, coach of the Canadian national program in the Olympics and everything. And when I talk to these two gentlemen, pretty much every week, you know, we have our little call and our talk. And and one of the things that they're trying to institute, which I thought was brilliant from Tim's point of view, is like, forget about hockey directors. These programs need ethical directors. Like the first one you need to hire is a is a, an ethical program director. <laughs> and I think, you know, you know, even if you didn't listen, even if you didn't want your kids to be good doctors and lawyers and good citizens and good people later on, it doesn't even matter. Just be good people, good be a good nine-year-old that has that loves coming to the rink. And loves leaving because they can't wait to come back again. Like, that's all we should be doing. And instead, we're saying, no, no, we're establishing this player so that Topher's going to see them at the the AAA summer meltdown in June. And he's going to recruit and put him in his notepad, say, oh, in six years, I'm going to I'm going to call that kid up. <laughs> I mean, I, it's crazy. We judge coaches on wins and losses because that's easy to recognize, right? There's a win, there's a loss, it's black, it's white. I evaluate youth coaches on what you just said, Mike. Does the kid want to come to the ring for practice and and do they want to stay and not want to leave? Like that to me is the most important thing because at the end of the day, if you do want to play at a Michigan, you do want to play at, at the highest levels, the number one thing that you need is a love of the game. That's it. It's the I, most I important remember. ingredient of every kid. Like I, I'm very fortunate. We, I, I don't know. We have six, six, seven first round draft picks on our team at Michigan this year. Uh, coach kids at Cornell, Miami that have gone on to play in the NHL. The biggest consistency between all of them is they love hockey. They live it. They eat, breathe, sleep, whatever the saying is like, they just absolutely love it. Right. So if your goal as a coach is like, even if it's like a misguided goal of like, I have to produce these NHL players or whatever, the best thing that you can do is not, you know, drills around cones and what, like it's, it's developing and fostering a love for the game, man. Like that's that, like you look at the Crosby's, the McDavid's, like all these unbelievable hockey players, how much do they love the game? And when you love the game, you're going to want to work harder at it. And when you work harder at it, you're going to build better habits. And when you build better habits and you do those things consistently, you're going to get better. And it all starts with a passion and a love for the game, right? So like, that's how we need to evaluate coaches. And I don't know if maybe, maybe Vex, we need to develop and we could do this together with you guys, like develop a metric of, of like judging coaches. Oh man, like based... I'm for coaches. That could be, uh... <laughs> Yeah, but then, you, but you then, give but a questionnaire parents, to the, like the, all the, the kids on the team. <laughs> give a questionnaire to all the freaking kids yeah. on the team and say, "Hey, like, how much do you enjoy practices? You know right. how uh, how did you often get better you this feel, year? Yeah, how often do you, do you feel like the coach cares about you? You yeah. know, yeah. 
was it a positive environment in the locker room? Well, like, here's the thing: I'll those things as coaches, the byproduct is going to be better. Well, the power, the power player guys do do that. They they do a coaching survey at the end of the year for the parents, and it's really good because. But the problem is, the coaches that don't send it out are the ones that need to send it out. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like if you're a really good like me, I do a, I do a, like I do an exit survey with my kid, my parents all the time because I want to know. Give me the give me the warts and all. Just tell me. Mike, you you really missed my kid this year. Like you just didn't, you know, find a way to motivate them. You know, that's great to know. Just why was it? Yeah. Like you know, to to your guy Tofer, we I used to watch the Sam Miskevich kid. The the you know this kid here in New the, the the pride of Newtown, Connecticut. And when you when you watch these guys, they never like like when you hear a kid at the end of practice goes. Oh, is it over already? Oh man. <laughs> like, like that's the, like the greatest, Dude, 100%. that's the greatest part. Instead of, you know, when you used to, like, like when I did the hockey coaching clinics for USA hockey, it's like, uh, is this almost over? Like, Oh my God. Like, are we going to get out of here soon? Like when you hear that, you know, you're it's just devastating. Not, you're not inspiring anybody. Yeah. But when you hear a kid's like, Oh my God, is this over already? Oh, that stinks. I'm like, Oh, that was, that's, that's what you need to have now. Now to your point, you've got to do that for 26 weeks. That's hard. It's a lot of work, but you can do it. And I think it's, you know, it's just, it's everybody's job to find ways to inspire coaches. That's why coaching is a calling, right? It's not not just a job. And, you know, the other thing too, Topher, you just mentioned this too, is that, uh, and we don't do this enough. You learn this podcasting, right? Great questions demand great answers, right? If you ask somebody a simple question, you know, you're going to get a simple, how was the season? It was great. You know, you're not going to get a great answer from that, Right. Um, and same thing when you talk to your kids or you reprimand your kids, you're not supposed to say, why did you do that? It's not a great question. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think that's something to do. And I want to reiterate what you talked about too, uh, Tope. And Jeff, you say this all the time too. The love of the game is so important. We talk all the time on this show that, you know, obviously around 12 to 15, there's some changes, you know, might get a little more serious about pursuing the sport, but I've always said anything prior to that love of the game is your primary job as a coach is to help establish that or encourage that. Uh, and then beyond that, you know, obviously there's some skill sets and then obviously there's a difference between competitiveness and competing, you know, teaching a kid to enjoy the competition is, is something you want to do. Right. And, and this is where, by the way, 90% of the anxiety starts for kids is, did we win the game? What's the score? You, we getting them focused on the wrong things, right? We want to teach them to be competitive within that arena that not, you know, it's funny because we do say a lot, Hey, the score doesn't matter. Right. And I don't think that's complete. Like we need to be a little bit more fair for the kids. Hey, score doesn't matter in terms of your effort, right? Did you give everything you had today? Uh, that's the score I'm keeping. You know, you say something like that to a kid, um, it makes a difference. I, I remember too, last thing too, and I'll keep moving this, is uh, prior to podcasts, we had a thing called radio, talk radio, where they would interview people. And, you know, if you caught it, you caught it. If you didn't, you didn't, you didn't get to hear it again. But I was lucky enough as a kid uh, to listen to Wayne Gretzky on uh, like, like, you know, a national broadcasting network. And a, a parent called in and said, hey, can you tell my kid to practice more? Like, he, he really loves the game. and I just want to practice more. And Gretzky, being Gretzky, said prolifically, no. No, I cannot tell your kid to practice. If your kid wants to practice, they'll practice. And he said, I appreciate you saying the kid loves the game, but if they love the game, they'll just go do it. And I said, wow. <laughs> Coming from him, that's pretty important to hear, right? You can't inject that love of the game into somebody, but you can encourage it. And that's something I think that parents have to realize, especially parents who have played or currently play in an adult league, you can't take it out of your chest and put it in your kid's chest. It has to develop and you can encourage it, but don't force it. 
You know, I, I had an amazing conversation with my dad about this because my dad was the one that introduced me to the game and, and helped me to fall in love with it. And and I was kind of asking him, like, because I'm obsessed with the game. I love it. Like, and I have for a very, very long time. And now that I have young kids of my own, I was kind of asking him because I was like, how cool would that be if my kids fell in love with hockey just like I did? So what did you kind of do, you know, to to do that? And it was just like simple. It was like, hey, have you asked them to like play shinny hockey in the basement? Right. <laughs> you know, have have you, you know, th- like just like little things like that where you can bond with your kids just by having fun with the pressure off. Like not only are you potentially developing a love for the game, but you're just developing a relationship. And Vex, you and I have talked about this, like how many parents don't talk to their kids anymore because their kids don't want to talk to them because they put too much pressure on them at 15, 16 years old. Right. You know? And, and so it's an all encompassing thing, right? Like we want to put our kids in situations where they can fall in love with it. And a lot of that, and Vex and I, I'm sure you guys talk about this too. Like, the car ride home <laughs> that can make your kid fall in love with the game. Doesn't matter what the coach is doing to help, you know, like that's a, that's an important thing. And so uh, I just with everything that you're talking about, man, like just creating a safe space where they can have fun with it is just so ungodly right. important. And especially as a parent, you want to develop a, a, a love and a kinship and a relationship with your kid. And the best way to do that is just in these unstructured things. Hey, you want to do it? No. Okay. No problem, man. Or right. like, and then uh, you, Hey, you want to, you want to go do this? Or what if I, you know, put a rink in the backyard? Is that something you'd want to do? And then you, like how many kids fell in love with the game in the backyard or on the pond with their dads or their uncles or their moms or whoever, like by themselves. Yeah. By themselves. Uh, it's just, it's, and it's, it's man. such an, it's such an opportunity for coaches to impart such an important life lesson if you want to be good at anything it takes work if you want to be successful at anything it takes work if you're going to have a family somebody has to pay the bills that takes work so like it's not it's not like i think people who are like the old school mindset and stuff like that they hear maybe some of this and think we're like soft and it's like come to my gym for a day tell me i'm soft <laughs> absolutely not not at all you will get you'll get murdered six ways from sunday right but everybody has a smile on their face everybody knows why they're there and why they're putting themselves through what they're putting themselves through because they know it's going to make them be better and that goes back to like what is the organization what is the team's core values so it's like yeah you said okay like we don't care what the score is for like the younger ages we care what the score is because that's indicative of are you performing are you trying are you teamwork but so as coaches you don't say we don't care if you win or lose because that's not true we all want to win and fostering a love and a passion for winning and wanting to be the best which will make everyone better at everything in their life needs to be done. But it's not you little effers win this game or else you're skating sideboards. And there's no dinner tonight if you don't win. Right. And there's seven like that. (laughs) That's where it's like, no, that's hurting them. It's you've got to get into their brain to teach them in fun ways, how to compete, why to compete, when to compete, all these different things. And then also to be able to, when you lose, but you left it all out there and you gave your all like it's, you're not happy happy that you lost ever, but you can at least accept it, learn from it, and then try to adapt and apply later. You know, Jeff, what was cool. I'll tell you a quick story is, um, 
you know, we do this team building with our, our Mike kids all year and they were in a championship game this uh, last, last, last weekend. And we had this really great moment before the game. We had a team talk, you know, I walked in <clears throat> and I said, Hey, who's nervous. And I put my hand up and all the kids kind of looked at me and they put their hands up. And I said, yeah, no, it's good. It means you care. Right. And I said that, you know, you, you, that, that feeling never really goes away. You just kind of understand how to compartmentalize it and use it. But I said, yeah, guys, that's good that you're feeling that way. So I, I saw him relax a little bit. And I said, look, there's really only two things we need to know today for this championship game. And I said, I said this to him all year. Keep in mind, this is mites. We don't keep scores. And now we do. Now the score matters today. Right. And I said, there's two things you need to know. Number one, no matter what the score is at the end of the game, you all need to know that you did everything you could to compete and try and win the game. Win or lose, you have to know you did everything. And I said, the second thing is you have to know that you did everything you could for your teammates as well, that you played for the people in the room. I said, you do those two things, you're not going to have any problem, right? And and they understood that at seven, eight, nine years old, right? And I think these are the important things. What does that translate for them in 10 years that they have an understanding of that now, right? That's the seed I'm planting. You know, it's, it's again, we won the tournament, but it's to me, that was irrelevant. It's they understood, they applied it, Right. Go ahead, Mike. Right, but, there, but there's two things, right? And I think this is where I, this is where kind of my mind goes to, and it probably shouldn't. Like, that was great. <laughs> but they lose that. Like, that now, the season's over. Then they lose it. Like, those kids lose that mentorship. They lose that messaging. They lose that, that, that the you know, right. again, forget about level. You didn't make this team, didn't make that team. They, the, what we're doing at the youth level is we're, the way we're structured is we're cutting that off. And we're hoping to God the next person they get has, some yeah. semblance of the similar like philosophy or else it it, it just changes the way the kids yeah. are. And I think, right. yeah, and watching the hockey think tank guys, like one of the things I've learned over the last, I guess, 2018, that's a long time is that <laughs> high performance training and competitive edge and wanting to beat somebody up doesn't mean not fun. And I think everybody looks at like, Oh no, no, no. And I joke around with my little kids. I do all the little NHL learn the players, right? And I'm just, I kind of, I kind of joke around like, well, if you're smiling, you can't be in this group because it's just way too much fun. Like if you're having fun and laughing and giggling, you can't be here because that's what the, the hockey doesn't look like. Zero that. fun, sir. You know, yeah, yeah. Zero fun. And I, but I think this is where I think when I watch you guys and, and the messaging you give is, and maybe Topher, you could mention this because you're in it right now. How much fun? I, I watched Dorado and all his, like, how much fun do you guys have in practice every day? Like how much, how much fun is there every time those kids step on the ice, men getting prepared to battle. And I would say to Jeff's point, they ain't soft. But I, I will tell you that our best practices are typically the ones where there's a lot of small games being played. And I can tell you that we keep track of our small area games, wins and losses for each yeah. kid. <laughs> And we put it on a board that they can see and they live for it. They absolutely live for it. And I'm the one that that's kind of the keeper of it and enter all the information and stuff. And like after each one, Tove, you're going to get that on there, right? You get that on there, right? <laughs> you know, and every once in a while we'll do like a game where the, Hey guys, this game's worth two points. You know, this game's worth three points. And like, just the, the, yeah, it's like pure man. Like That's it's brilliant. just pure unadulterated fun, but there is that like competitive, like it's, it's competitive and it's fun it at the same time. And, uh, you know, like I, I think even at the youngest of ages, like races are awesome, you know? And if you're a coach of mites, you can, tr you can, you can 
manipulate the the drills where kids of equal talent are kind of going against each other. So it's not the same kid, be, you know, the, the kid who's the top one going against the bottom one. That's never going to win because that's not fun for either of them either. Right. And so like races and, and games with scores and, and like all that stuff, that's it's fun. And, and, and like sometimes, and, and we have to clarify it, right. Vex, like you kind of did already. Like when we talk about like, um, skills or we talk about you know life skills and things like that people can think that that's soft no 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 no. competitiveness is like part of the fun it's yeah. a part of it and it's winners want to compete Win- yeah. winners want to compete i literally had a guy in the gym if you guys looked at my instagram story right now from like a few hours ago uh i had a kid in who's a new client who had shoulder surgery this year and he's coming to me after to start getting back in shape and um, he's a very, very good local AAA goalie. And we were competing in between sets on different things that he can, can, can do. And I obviously beat him. And I talked smack to him on Instagram. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> right. Buddy. He says, that's I obviously right. beat him. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> well, he's got, he's got a bum shoulder still, so he can't do too much. So I'm taking it down and I'm chirping him because like, I, I know that he's, and, and then I texted him an hour after he left the gym. Hey, you know, great day. Really proud of you. By the way, one nothing, just so you know. <laughs> he's like, Oh, I can't wait till Friday. He's like, I'm gonna get you. You know, so now he's excited to come back. He wants to have fun. He's gonna push himself. He's gonna practice what we're doing at home competing because he's gonna want to come back in and beat me. And and you know, so it's like it's fostering that kind of love. And I I think where where you guys are talking about where it like gets off the rails, like Mike said, Oh, like I'm doing this, but what if the coach after me isn't doing this? That's where you have to have a rubric. You have to have a concrete set of core values that is hammered home by your organization leaders, your, your coaching leaders and your coaches. And it's like, are you, did you focus on this this month? Monthly meeting. It could be 10 minutes. Totally hey, did you agree. focus on this this month? Did you focus on our five core values? Whatever they are, 10 core values shouldn't be like a crazy amount. Right. And, and if you're not, okay, well, like, why not? Let's, let's figure out a way to help, you know, coach Tom, get this into his practice plan, into his pregame pep talk. Like that's the stuff that it needs to be going on, especially at the youngest levels, but it should continue all the way through, you know, right. up until, up until college, even. Well, and, yeah, and, this support, is... and support your coaches like that's right. like watching like okay so if you're listening to this you don't get to see both uh you know Topher and jeff right but you're when you're talking about the games Topher, like you're smiling your energy you're you're happy you're like i look at these coaches like you look miserable on the ice well the kids can't do the drill they suck at this and they can't do it. i go no 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 no. it's probably because it's a bad drill it's a bad drill <laughs> and the kids are miserable like you're all miserable like it's a don't bad drill be, or they don't have the skill to complete it like, so don't you want to be happy it. like don't yeah. you want to go in a game and be like oh you're winning you're losing like uh, the best thing like i uh, the, for the last four years, I start all my my youth hockey practices with a small area game. It doesn't start without a small area game. And the kids come on, and within 15 minutes or 12 minutes of our practice, kids, like, are crying, are, 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 are complaining about the score, are, you know, they're beating each other up, they're battling for pucks, they're, like, they're really warmed up and ready, and they're energized, and they have, and they have, like, emotion, and it's so much easier for me to have practice, because then I can put in the, the, the block drill that I have to get in there, or the, you know, the drill, I'm like, oh, I really don't want to do this, but they really do need to work on this particular skill, and, you know, the one of the worst things I, I, the things I hate the most when I hear a coach, oh yeah, we do those smaller games. We throw them in right at the end for it just to have a little fun. Yeah, like, five, five like, minutes. Sitting sixty five minutes, minutes, like sixty minutes aren't fun. Yeah. Like make 
make practices so much fun that you can't believe it's over. You can't believe how much fun it was and you can't wait to create and, and compete again. But again, it goes back to it to, to every, it's, it's cradle to grave, right? You need to have, you need to have an organization and be a part of an organization that embraces the fact that they want good ethical coaches that are prepared and, and thoughtful and care about their athletes and not the guys that say, Hey, I, I picked these 15 kids. I can't wait to cut seven of them in the next, you know, four months so I can get a different six. And I think that's, and that's where we're at. Even below juniors. I mean, you know, obviously if it's tournaments or if it's like must win games, like, yeah, you have to play to win, but also like, I think that's the triple a level, maybe starting at 15, 16 and, and still the majority of the games, I still believe that it's youth hockey. People are paying tens of thousands of dollars like you should be developing every player as much as you can that doesn't mean everything has to be even steven they've got to earn it you know it doesn't mean guys don't get sat like it's still the same thing but it should be like development should be the main goal because you know i've seen teams here in st louis that make it to national championship and a a few years later there's only three kids left playing that's like you made it to a national championship and only three kids went on to juniors or four kids are going to college off a national championship team. Like how, why? Well, okay. You must not have been preparing them. You, 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 you playing to win. You weren't preparing everybody. So even though that team like had some high end skill, they also had a bunch of guys that should still be playing and they're not because they weren't prepared because you just rode the coattails of the six best players, you know? And to me, like, that's not a win. You got to the nationals. Great. That's not a win for me when all those guys don't have the opportunity to move on like they should have the ones who were good enough you know jeff i've been saying for a while now that when your ego or desire to win championships trumps your desire to develop a player you are not a coach anymore you've lost that title no matter how many wins you have um you know and and we need to keep eyes on that and you know mike brought it up too you know the the um the coaches site did that great hockey factories uh publication and they talked about how Mike, you say this all the time. These coaches will stay with the team for three years, three seasons, and develop, and then hand them off to another coach who he talks to regularly to understand the kind of development model. And this is where kids are coming out of. This is where pro players are starting to come out of, is, is these environments. Um, guys, I, I do want to end the show talking about culture, but I, I did want to bring up this one point. You, you, Topher, you mentioned this before. Um, I always like to give the audience some kind of action items or some red flags or just, just something they can can grab onto. And you talked about um, kind of the car ride home, right? We, we talked we talked on the show. We had an episode called The Car Ride Home is Not for Coaching. Um, but what are some of the things, this is for both of you, what are some of the things that parents say? And I'm, I'm kind of looking for more specific statements that they probably don't realize adds a lot of pressure on their kids. Or maybe more importantly, what don't they say, right, to their kids? Um, because I think it's important, you know, we, we all care so much about our kids. I don't, I don't believe... Anyone listening to this show doesn't love their kids immensely, right? But I, we, we're all guilty of it at times of saying certain things that just add more pressure than we need to. So again, what are those things? What do you think they are? What, what are some of the things we don't hear enough? Uh, I think that it should be, Tove says this all the time. It's more like asking earnest questions, like ask questions, not why did you make that play or, or, or yelling at them? Like you made that play. Oh, you should have done that. Or why aren't you on the power play? And little Johnny is like, those are the types of things like that's not doing anything. So, did you have fun? Did you work hard? 
Like, like those kind of things. How do you think you played? Like, that was the only question my parents ever asked me. Did you, did you have fun? Did you work as hard as you could? How do you think you played? And if I wanted to talk about hockey, I would talk about hockey. And if I didn't, I would quickly answer the question and I would change topics and they rolled with the punches. You know, it's, it's the players who I always saw who was like parents, you know, like the kid was like not excited to walk out of the locker room because of what the car ride home was going to be or what their dad was going to say, you know, when they walked up to him right away, just picking apart their game. You know, it's, it's, it's unnecessary. There's a better way to do it. If you're, if you're thinking this, I'm doing this to help him. You're not most likely 99%. There's a better way. Read a psychology book. <laughs> hey, you're helping yourself really, right? You're not right. Helping them. You're appeasing yourself. Go ahead, Tove. Um, I, I think, you know, Jeff, you hit the nail on the head with one thing. Well, on everything, obviously, because you always do. <laughs> Not a big but deal. The <laughs> the one thing that I I think um, it, it is a really bad thing that parents do is make excuses. When you make excuses, your kids will make excuses, and if you're an excuse maker, then you're not going to amount to much in in life because <laughs> you're always going to be blaming other people. So it's like, uh, you know, little Johnny, you should be uh, getting this or you should be on the power play or should, 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 whatever the coach doesn't like you, yada, yada, yada. Like you, you can't be an excuse machine. If your kid becomes an excuse machine, then that's all that they're going to do. And, and like ownership is one of the most important characteristics of any successful person like accountability and ownership and what you do and when you make excuses for your kid or your kid is making excuses for why they didn't get this or that or the other thing then they're doomed they're absolutely so, doomed i i love this i want to combine your two answers real quick because Topher, what you're talking about is directly what jeff said you create that accountability and ownership by asking great questions right you don't say well if that kid passed the puck you would have got the goal you say, how can you inspire your teammate maybe to to, to find ways to pass to you more? Right? Or what did you, you do? Did you right? yell for the puck? Right. Like you what? What's something you could have done? Yeah. <laughs> always, always right. look in the mirror. You could right. have probably done something better. Right. Think about what it was. How could you have positively affected any situation? Any situation, right. even if it's if it's one percent of a positive effect, that is a positive effect. Right. And it and it teaches it too. It teaches those kids, as you said, Tover. Now they're asking those questions of themselves. They're not blaming anybody else. <clears throat> no, coach didn't pick me. That coach must suck. No, no. What did you not do to prepare? Or or how are we going to take this negative experience and turn it into a power later on? So Tover, I, I cut you off. Go ahead, buddy. I, I'm sorry. I know you had more there. No, no, it's all good. Yeah. I, I think when you're talking about the car ride home, <laughs> I think honestly the best thing that you can say is, man, I just loved watching you play today. Right. Looked like you were really enjoying yourself. That's what I want for you. <laughs> and I, I John Brooks, that. that was, he wrote a whole article on this. I don't know how many years ago, but it was incredible. And it's the biggest thing that, you, that I just loved watching you play on the other hand. And it, it's really funny because, you know, we talk about this stuff and now I'm a parent, I'm actually in a parent's shoes. And we had our little pagey in soccer this summer or last summer and she just wasn't into it, man. Like, just like, you know, you're not supposed to change on the fly in soccer and she's changing on the fly and she'd much rather be eating snacks on the sideline than going for the loose balls and all that kind of stuff, which is like, as a coach, you kind of sit there and you cringe a little bit, but then you kind of got to put your parent hat on and be like, okay, blah, blah, blah. I, I do think when you get to older ages and, and, and I think this is a, 
a conversation that probably needs to be had more between a parent and a kid when you do get a little bit older, especially in hockey when the cost is what it is. We have, I don't know if we're the most expensive sport, but we got to be pretty close if, if we're not. Hey, I don't really see you giving your all out there, you know, and I, I sacrifice a lot of time. I sacrifice a lot of money um, because I want you to love what you do and I want you to be happy with what you do. If maybe this is a triple A player, let's say we're talking about, do you really love it? Is this something you really want to do? Um, and they might say, yeah. And it's a little bit of a, an eye opener for them. Or it might be like, nah, dad or no mom like i just kind of want to have fun doing this and i'd rather play house league or i'd rather play whatever and and i think that's that's a honest okay great conversation that you can have with your kid because at the end of the day like we shouldn't want our kid to be an nhl player we should want our kid to like enjoy what they do and be happy at the end of the day because such a minuscule amount of percent of people actually play at the highest of levels right so um i would encourage parents because like that's another thing that like you want your kids to like work hard you know that's a that's a value that we want to instill in our kids we want them to be good teammates and if we see them not doing that then it's like hey is this something you really want to do because this is what i'm seeing and this is not what kind of experience I want for you and you should want for yourself. And I think it's okay to have that conversation too, if that makes any sense. It does. You know, you know, I, I think about, we talk about like fears all the time as parents and, you know, obviously we want our, ch- our kids. I want my kid to have the desire to work hard, but I think a bigger fear of mine is if my, my son or daughter ever come to me and, and, you know, are afraid to tell me that they don't want to do it. Right. And it's not because of the hard work. It's not because the effort it's, they don't want to do it. And they're terrified to tell me because they think it's going to disappoint me. That that's a fear of mine. Right. Um, and I think about that all the time of like, you know um, I was saying, you know what your kid's thinking about after the game? Yeah. The, the, maybe the game, maybe the four check. He's thinking about Fortnite. He's not thinking about the game. You know, you're thinking about the game. So it's like, I always got to check myself. And that, one of the reasons I love being on the show, because I'm the youngest hockey parent on the show is it keeps me in check because I'm a pretty intense person. Right. And it's like, I can't, I can't put that on my kids right now. <laughs> they just have to enjoy the game. Um, so I think it's a great answer. Um, I want to, I want to move on guys to the, to the culture part of this. And I'm going to phrase this question because everyone listening, if you listen to either of these podcasts, you know, we're big culture people, you know, that's a big part of our success and what we believe is a part of success of any team. Um, but I always like to ask this question. Have you ever been part of a championship team or a very successful team where that culture didn't exist and adversely on the teams where you had bad culture how did they do no i've never won on a bad culture team and every team that sucked had bad culture and every team that won had great culture every single one you're saying there's a correlation (laughs) yeah 100 percent correlation you math people i'll go a step further it's causation not correlation it's causation look at that guy not a big deal Big red, big red education. Stupid Ivy League people. (laughs) Trust me, if you see my grades and statistics, that was like the one thing I took from that. (laughs) Keep using it. So so my follow-up question then is, why don't we spend more time developing culture if it's an obvious proven method for success? Uh, I mean, 
it kind of goes back to the winning versus losing in the development, right? Like culture, you, it's very, it's not black and white. Culture is all about the gray. I mean, it is black and white in certain aspects, but like you, you, you can't quantify it. I mean, I'm sure there's people who are much smarter than us that have put together, you know, these kinds of Venn diagrams or something. <laughs> um, but it, it, culture to me is more of a feeling, you know, it's, it's, and it's hard to like define. It's hard to, it takes a lot of work and that's well, another it's thing. It's different for every team too. It's different yeah. for every team. And that's another thing is like, I, I don't think people, it's just so much work to have a great culture. It's so much work and it's an everyday thing. Your culture is getting better, getting worse every single day based upon a, a lot of different things, how people treat each other, what kind of values you have, what kind of accountability structures you have within your group. Like there's so many different things that go into it. And, um, you know, the, the people side of things is, is just, it's hard to quantify. And, and because of that, I, I, you know, I, I think it's, becoming something people are starting to work more at but we we still got a long as you know lee like we still got a long way to go man a long way to go yeah good has it has to be like tove said it's something that it if somebody stops driving the, sh the ship you know it, it goes awry it goes the, the 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 wrong way to start taking turns it's something that literally has to be focused on every single day and it starts with leadership and that's you know with team with a team it starts with the coach then you know the captains the leaders um and and getting everyone in line to enjoy the culture to want to be there to follow the culture to to uh, uh keep that culture going when they're gone right it's it's massively important and that's what's hard is that it takes work to keep it going in the right direction because you're going to have good days you're going to have bad days and on the bad days that's when you have to like lean on the culture and it's easy to to like not do those hard things on the bad days, but like those are what get you back to the good days. Those what get you to a winning uh, a season, winning a winning organization, winning team. Um, you know, and people doing the right things in the hard times, both in hockey and in life. So it's just something that's it's always always has to be perpetuated every single day. You know. And, yeah. and I, th I think the other, oh, sorry, Lee, go ahead. No, no, please go ahead. You're the guest. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just going to say like with, with culture, I, I feel like there's this misnomer out there that like when you work on culture, it's like trust falls, you know, and, yeah. and like, it's this like lovey dovey. Yeah, we went to dinner tonight. Kind of, <laughs> kind of thing, you know, um, culture could be simple as like, Hey, let's spend 15 minutes to define our identity today. Right. Right. And that's it, you know, and then you check back in every couple of weeks. Okay. How are we doing to, in, in playing to our identity? Um, it could be as simple as, Hey, you know, let's make, let's get a team lunch in today. You know, let's, let's all go to lunch at the same spot and we'll, we'll get everybody there. And in, in the, like the youth realm of it, it could be like, Hey, let's organize a shinny hockey tournament. Hey, let's organize a team dinner. Hey, let's let's all get together around the TV and watch the Blackhawks game or the Red Wings game or the Flyers game. You know, like um, uh, that's team building right now. <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 simple but not easy, right? Simple but not easy. Like some of these little things can go a long way. You just got to put some intentionality into it, put a little planning behind it, and it's not like. And I hate how like these companies they like 
esteem team building and culture building. They bring somebody in for a day right? You know, and you do this day long seminar. And it's kind of like something that just checks a box off. Like that's not culture building. Culture building is built every single day. And now you can bring somebody in to like, you know, help you put some structures and put some things together that you can carry on for the rest of the year. But at the end of the day, like it's a living, breathing organism that gets better or worse. And based upon the work that you put into it every day, it doesn't need to be this crazy big thing. It's, it's the little things that really make the culture great. And, and I think it's the consistency, in, especially at the youth level, right? If you go to a prep school or a college or you're on a, a pro team, I mean, you have the, you know, you have the, the, the advantage of when a player comes in, like you have other people are saying, no, no, we do it this way here. Like, this is our way. This is the way we do it. Right. So, and, and, and when you want and think about it at the pro level, how hard it is to change culture because one person can't change it. It has to be the group. And I think like little things, like I know in my teams and my parents would think I was crazy. I'm like, well, our cult, we, we do have a culture. Like we don't leave locker rooms dirty. We clean, we leave them cleaner than when we found them. We don't swear at the official. We don't, you know, not pick up pucks after practice. Like that we, the, the things that the little things you can establish, and then you start building accountability. And then you start building that, that culture in your program. But, you know, Jeff said it earlier, you can't do it when you have turnover every six months. You, if right. you have a program that turns over six months, it, it it's that's why culture is hard. Culture is so hard. People are like, I don't care about culture. I just need the best fifteen kids. I'm gonna <laughs> win hockey games and then move on. But but the the onus is on us as youth hockey uh, organizers and 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 directors and and administrators is to build the culture first and then plug people in that want to follow that culture. You don't want to be in this culture. There's a million different programs you can go to, but where where these are our core values and this is who we're gonna be. And, and it is not easy. I'm not, and I think we all lived it, right? It's like, like, and I think that's where people get beaten down, but the people that can do it and the people that could find, you know, people that are going to around them that are going to support them and find a way to, you know, and, and I guess the last thing I would say is if you're in a program, don't be the one per like, you don't need to be the culture keeper. You, the, the, you need to spread out all, like, right. if you need somebody to oversee this and somebody to oversee that and somebody to oversee that, find people that have common values to you, put them to work. And then come back in and be accountable together. And I think that's like, I, I used to love getting as many parents like in my group as possible on my teams. And I'm like, listen, when we go down, we're all going down. Like we're all going to either lift the shift up or we're going to lift, or we're going to bury ourselves. But because we're all involved, whether you're a scorekeeper, working on lunch, doing team breakfast, doing the community service award, doing whatever it is, we're all, we all in it together and we're all doing our part. And you know who never lasted on those teams? The dad that would go out in the parking lot and have you know shoot down six beers during practice and bitch and moan. No, the, the guy that ranks the ranks all the players one through five on their and skill got, level. Right, you but, guys but that, the other day but that was but that's yeah. okay because you could fight yeah. that person because you have a you have enough you have a stronger team, you know, around you. But it's again at the Topher's point, it it is so hard. It's always hard talking about it because like oh my god, you, you have PTSD from trying to do it. Well, you, you know, my, you know the word I use Topher. Uh, all the time when I describe culture, I said, it needs to be nurtured. I said, and I use that word intentionally. Right. And you can equate it. You have, you have a young kid, right? Like you don't just be like, Hey, Hey, go walk. (laughs) You know, Hey, get up and walk already. Learn how to walk. Like we don't do that with our kids. We nurture them, encourage them. You know, we grow and, and, you know, to be fair within a team, and if we're talking youth hockey, there's so many cultures within the culture. There's the coaching culture. There's the players culture. There's the D there's the O's there's the parents, Right. You know, you get up to the higher levels, there's staff, 
right? And then they all be part of a, a larger culture. And the reason I ask this question, this this one's kind of like a rhetorical question, and you know, for the audience, for ourselves, if we're all agreeing that strong cultures are a path to winning, why would we not spend more time on that? Especially if we're using the black and white rubric of wins and losses. And and I think that, you know, the four of us, uh, you know, our combined missions, you know, we kind of run together in that space because it's all something we really believe in uh, and something we've all found success with. And again, it's not not the easiest thing to do. I do agree with that. And I think that's why that, you know, you want to find the right people that can help to cultivate that. And again, Tover, to your point, it doesn't have to be six hours a day. It can be a 15 minute thing every few days to kind of reinforce it. We talked about trust before. Like, what does trust mean on this team? But I, I am, as a, as a coach, if someone told me that every single successful team has this thing, I would pursue getting good at that thing because it's important. Right, yeah, Jeff. You didn't. You didn't lose a beat when I asked it, Jeff. You're like, yes, every great team I've been on has had a great. Yeah, goal. but I, I think the best lessons. You know, I had this said to me when I went on a, a a podcast called the Dad Edge Podcast, and it's something that stuck with me ever since. He said the best lessons for kids uh, are caught, not taught, and so mm-hmm. the reason why it's probably hard is a lot of the coaches, organization leaders, board members, they don't walk the walk. They don't live a disciplined life. They don't care about culture some of them aren't in it for the right reasons they're literally only there for their kid and they could care less what happens to any other not all obviously right but far too many and so they're not walking the walk they're they're not living it so you know they could okay oh we're gonna have a culture uh video it's like you know you get a substitute teacher and she says to watch the video and everybody's like free day you know nobody's paying attention you see it you see a coach video to be yeah but don't be hating on substitute teachers (laughs) no no i'm saying the kids part of the education system jeffrey yeah totally but it's you know you got you got a coach talking about being healthy all the time and eating healthy food and every single road trip they're blacked out in the bar when the kids are walking through to go to the room like you know you are an adult this is a free country you're allowed to do what you do but should you be doing that are you setting a good example you're you're a mentor to all these kids and you're hammered every it's not once it's every trip and there's a lot of coaches out there like that like you wonder why your team doesn't win look in the mirror and too many people don't want to do that unfortunately so i think if a lot of people in leadership positions in our country too uh uh you know also need to start looking in the mirror and be like start walking the walk here right and look, I'll just follow. It starts with us as individuals doing it yeah. personally, right? Yeah. Um, and this goes back to the accountability piece. We can all point the fingers. And Jeff, you're not doing that. I'm just saying, you want to have an impact? Start with yourself. Yeah. Teach your kids to be good people. That's how you have an impact. If you're a coach, you get the opportunity to do that with many kids. And you're right. If you're not, if you're doing that the negative way, you're in, you're going to increase their chance of being negative. So, guys, this has been uh, fantastic. I really appreciate you guys coming on. I don't, we could talk all night, but uh, Topher, I know you got a young kid, and I could see it on your face, and I do too. So I'm just I'm, I'm teasing. That was what does that mean? It, 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 you, well, you know exactly what it means. He's no. got RBF, <laughs> oh, resting B face. 
No, I'm just kidding, Tom. To- no, that's just that's it. That that was that, that looked kinder the way you did that. That was weird. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, Tom. I I I always joke with people. Uh, you know, when you haven't slept for two or three years, it has a has an effect. He's on that, five years, I think. Right? Yeah, yeah. Now, Mike, so, next month, six. Yeah. Hey, hey, congratulations for that, Mike. I don't know how many years it's been for you, but I know we're both wearing hats, so that means something. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't sleep anymore, but that's I just I, it's, I think it's. Uh, no, it's 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 great having you guys on here, and I think you know just you know I know um you know just following your progression in in, in with the way you're speaking about all these different levels of hockey. It's not just youth hockey, but and and the other pieces are great. You know the nutritional part and the workout part, and you know, I, I definitely you know Jeff's your uh, your Instagram stories are great, and I think it's like you know really fun to, to watch the interaction you have with the kids you work with and 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 and, and the adults. You know, but anytime they're in the gym, you know, it looks like a pretty, a pretty fun environment to be in. And I think that's, you know, that's kind of the playground we should be making for all our, our all every time we, we work with our athletes, I would hope. I appreciate that. That's my Thanks, goal, guys. Man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you're doing, you're listening to the very handsome and awake Topher Scott. <laughs> 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 the, 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 not a big deal. Jeff Lavecchio and, and uh, Mr. Coach Mike Pinelli. I'm Leo Eyes. You've been listening to Our Kids Play Hockey. If for some reason you've been under a rock, you never heard of the Hockey Think Tank podcast, make sure you go check that out. It is absolutely recommended listening uh, if you listen to this show. Um, but you guys really are making huge impact in the hockey world and i just want to say this as a hockey parent not just as a podcast host i really appreciate you guys and the work that you do thanks brother appreciate thanks. you having guys us too keep too. up a great go ahead vex yeah we're just talking over each other we <laughs> we, we never guessed is this our first time guesting at the same time on somebody else's? no i don't think so have i we? think we've done it before well, i would yeah. have been honored with that been a, it's definitely been a while though like years first time this decade maybe yeah there you go <laughs> it may be we appreciate it man thank you so much keep doing what you guys are doing Thanks, amen well if you want this episode or any other episode we've ever done check it out ourkidsplayhockey.com or any of the podcast providers we're everywhere uh, but we're gonna get you out of here thanks everybody for listening have a great week and we'll see you next time on our kids play hockey we hope you enjoyed this edition of our kids play hockey make sure to like and subscribe right now if you found value wherever you're listening whether it's a podcast network a social media network, or our website, ourkidsplayhockey.com. Also, make sure to check out our children's book, When Hockey Stops, at whenhockeystops.com. It's a book that helps children deal with adversity in the game and in life. We're very proud of it. But thanks so much for listening to this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey, and we'll see you on the next episode.